What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This podcast is sponsored by Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. Please visit Hover.com and use the promo code PEPPERONI to get 10% off your first order. Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 7, Episode 5, entitled The Runaways. What did you think of this kind of crazy episode of Mad Men? Uh, That's super insensitive to Michael Ginsburg, Jim. (laughs) That's what I think. Uh, My second thought was, I liked it. Uh, My third thought is, holy shit, a lot of people hated this episode. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. By a lot of people, I mean... Alan Seppenwall was meh on this epi- uh, episode. Well, I was meh on Alan Seppenwall's review. I thought so, too. You can definitely tell that he's watching this late at night and going without a <laughs> screener. Sure. Uh, a lot of long-term uh, fellow fans and feedbackers were also not thrilled. We'll have one that we kind of spotlight. I don't get the hate. Um, I'm not going to argue this is the best ma- episode of Mad Men, not even the best episode of the season. In fact, the last two have been a slight come down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, we got some vintage Don Draper. Yep. We got some interesting, uh, I, I, a lot of people didn't like what's going on in Castle Francistine. I actually did like it, especially <laughs> the stuff around Sally and Bobby. Sure. So, and I thought the Ginsburg stuff far from coming out of nowhere has been something laid in from the ground. Uh, this is groundwork has been laid since we first met the dude. Sure. It so has. I didn't uh, not appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> meant, but yeah. You appreciated it. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. I, I felt it was a little a, a little less put together than I expect a Mad Men episode to be. Yeah. Uh, it felt patchy to where there there were parts of it that that really worked well together and parts of it that I just didn't not that I just didn't care for it, but I felt like it was a disjointed episode. Hmm. In some Are, ways, have you been influenced by Seppenwall? Sounds like you're reading your your cribbing notes from him. Well, he's right about that. Why, um, so why, th- there are themes running through this episode, but they don't seem to be as strong for everyone hmm. uh, as some of the episodes we've seen in past uh, Mad Men seasons and even this season. Uh, there was a very strong 2001. We get a little bit more of that in this episode, but. I, I, and there's a lot of authority stuff running through this, and we'll talk about all that when we get to it. But it wasn't there for everyone, and it felt different for everyone as well. I think it's interesting that you say it's disjointed because that implies that the regular Mad Men episodes are particularly well-jointed. I think they are. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, so I guess we'll get into the review and talk about 
Okay. And to recap and talk more about that because I don't, I don't understand when I say someone says disjointed, it sound it, it if you just say that and that's it. It's like I feel like that that is a placeholder for something else that's really bothering you. Yeah, yeah. That there's I can and, see that. and and it's kind of like you know if someone says well there's it's I say this a lot there's tone problems mm-hmm. well, until you get into that what does that even mean yeah, yeah. so okay uh, well let's start the recap please Stan finds uh, some of Lou's artwork on the copier when you find out that it's Scout's Honor this is a character that Lou has dreamed up uh, one that he compares later to Underdog it was a big character in the fifties I guess. Uh, well, in sixties too, and in fact, I remember seeing reruns of the Underdog cartoon. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, uh, also mentions uh, I think his name's Mort Walker, the guy that created Beetle Bailey, which just seems to be kind of a beat. uh, I would call it a mashup of Beetle Bailey and Underdog. Okay. Do you think that Lou intended this to be found as a way to kind of like test the waters? Or do you think this was just a massive fuck-up by him? I think it was... I don't know, because he's making copies of it, right? Or he's having Shirley make copies of it. It seems like that's going out to people eventually, but just wasn't supposed to get out yet. So I I can't say that he didn't want people to see it, because why the hell do you make copies of something that you don't want anybody else to see? No, I, I meant particularly the the audience the here at team? SCNP. Hmm. I mean, like I said, was this a soft leak or I, I don't know. This shit happens all the time. I feel like offices. it was just Shirley's mistake. Like I've been horrified by some of the things I've seen on the office printer, <laughs> like people's vacation <laughs> plans, order forms, uh-huh. stuff. You know, it's like, OK, I get you make personal use of company materials, mm-hmm. but I don't need to see your personal lubricant orders and shit like that. OK. Uh, and I imagine that in you know photocopy is a pretty new machine. I think that it was a fairly big deal when they got one a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that whole etiquette and you know I, I don't know that especially a crusty fuck like Lou would have that down. So I, I don't know. To me, I don't think he meant for it to get out into the wilds of SCNP. No, I don't think so either. It was probably just a mis- mistake by Shirley. You know, she. So I didn't was think making was... copies and then ended up. No, oh, somebody said, "Hey, give me some coffee, Shirley, or something." And oh that's fuck, where no! She went. Lou would have fucking had a cow if this was Shirley's fault. It's all him. I think it's all him. You think so? He fucked up. Yep. Huh. Okay. Uh, but Shirley comes in in a couple of scenes and gets the drawings back, right? Uh, no, actually she doesn't because I think the person that gets them da- uh, done, the person that gets them finally is Don. Well, they, okay, we'll talk about it when we get there. All right, let's do. Uh, so we find out that this, you know, it says on the thing, this is scout. He can take anything but an order. He's got a plunger and a rifle. He's obviously a soldier. Uh, Dog soldiers. What's the, what's the plumber angle here? Is there one? Because it seems to be the big showcase for Scout's honor with him holding a plunger. I don't know. I think it's just a wacky attempt at humor. Toilet plungers are funny. <laughs> the fact that you could, you know, get one confused with the other. Okay. I, I mean, I don't get it. Uh, I, I don't. I don't particularly get understand the. I mean, I thought the funniest Scout's honor cartoon was the one that Stan drew. 
where Scout turns on his creator Lou. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So I, you know, again, Lou's a square dude. I don't, I don't know that he's capable of producing funny things. All right, let's move on to Peggy seeing Don in the elevator. Uh, she tells him that Lou's happy to have Don on the Handy Wrap uh, account, and so is Peggy. But you know, on the team, like as part of the team, not as the leader of the team. Peggy is a terrible boss. <laughs> Why do you say that? I don't know whether she's just this awful interacting with Don because, you know, it's just awkward being his former protege and now his boss. Mm-hmm. But just to her, it's almost, it, it, I know she wasn't intentionally patronizing. She's making sure that Don doesn't usurp her authority or, or you know, she, it seems like that that's what she's afraid of that would happen. Mm-hmm. And it just comes across as her either being scatterbrained or patronizing Don. Like, Don's an idiot, and he doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty bad at dealing with people her for pe- the most yes. part. It's amazing how good she is at being an ad woman, considering how bad she is at talking to people. Mm-hmm. But uh, She can apparently understand people and their motivations and stuff, but just doesn't know how to communicate with them effectively. Right. Uh Let's move on. Ginsburg yells at the computer through the glass, and he- Peggy sees him. Yeah, I feel like he's heckling the computer operator. <laughs> That's what Peggy thought, too, or or that he wanted a date with her. Ugh. I, think when, I, I really liked it when they panned into her perspective, mm-hmm. how it was just him sitting there. She couldn't hear a damn word he's saying yeah. because of the persistent hum, the air conditioning, and the fact there's glass between them. Sure, and that was just to show us you know, later on why you couldn't hear Lou and Cutler in the room Mm -hmm. Uh, that certainly helped to illustrate that uh ginsburg here makes a comment about being cassandra yeah uh and i looked that up cassandra in greek mythology was a prophet she had the power of prophecy and the curse of never being believed yeah does that lend any credence to ginsburg ginsburg's claim later that the computers are making everyone homo no No, it's a crazy person making the claim exactly. that he's the prophet that's doomed to never be believed. So, no, I, yes. I do not believe that. Okay, good. Plus, I've spent a lot of time around computers. Still likes the ladies. All right. Maybe the computers have just they, – they've the FCC has tightened up the homo – Sure. Well, they got shielding Emitting now. rays. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. I haven't – don't know. <laughs> that's, that's why you shouldn't operate your computer with the case off. Sure. Waves of homo just come <laughs> flying out of those machines. Uh, also, Stan definitely does not have the power of prophecy. I remember him saying at one point that when she was considering hiring Ginsburg, that he she was going to be hiring his her boss. Hmm. Uh, and I kind of got tongue tied there and started to understand what I was saying, but um, definitely <laughs> not going to be definitely not going to be her boss at the end of this episode. <laughs> no, no. In fact, I mean, I think. I think Ginsburg's heading for a really sad trajectory, even sadder than being carted off to the mental hospital. I, I was going to say, do you think he's coming back? He's gone completely bonkers, dismembering uh, his nipples. I predict we see him gibbering on the streets and somehow in the next, the second half of next season. Okay. Because America, even today, does not have a very good track record with dealing with uh, mentally ill people with poor support systems. Sure. And his dad's old. You know, if he dies, that's pretty much it for him. And there's a distressing amount of homeless people have mental illness. 
And I feel like that maybe Ginsburg's going to be one of those statistics. Certainly see that. Uh, Stan gives Lou's drawings back to Shirley, who tells him that they shouldn't have seen it. Then they make some jokes about it. Are you uh, sure? Because I thought he that... definitely hands her at least some of them. Yes, because he also had. Oh, he made copies for himself. Ah, uh, yeah, he did. Because he does give Don uh, some too. Who, yeah, who yeah. also keeps. I guess that's why I was confused. Uh huh. So I imagine he probably has more than just one copy of it. Probably. Uh, more than two copies. Probably a lot of copies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Although when Don takes it, he says, "You're going to just force me to draw my own." <laughs> right. Which, yeah, I mean, he's already kind of doing at that point. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, they're, uh, his, his versions are even better. Yeah. And then Ginsburg is complaining about the radio being broken in this scene. Uh, I don't really know what to make about that. I mean, we've heard him complain about voices being beamed into his head before. Sure, last season. Um, he doesn't necessarily mention anything about the computer beaming voices in his head directly, but there's they're having some effect to make him homosexual. So... I don't know. Maybe now that the radio is broken, that was uh, one of the things keeping the computer at bay. Mm. Now that that's gone, he's got to cut off his nipples to do that? I don't know. I think that the computer, or I think he viewed the radio malfunctioning as kind of the canary in the mine shaft. Okay, yeah. That these data waves had interfered with their benign radio waves. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the other thing about uh, the crazy people is none of that shit's consistent. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, electric Different wires. Different kinds huh? of waves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Electromagnetic radiation. It's, 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 some of it's good, some of it's bad. Who's to know? And I mean, yeah. that's... That's true. A microwave versus a radio wave. Yeah. Very, very true. different. That's when very, very different. Human. Yep. Gamma ray. <laughs> it's all, all a bunch of different stuff. Sure. Next scene. Don's dictating notes for Meredith when he gets a call from <laughs> Stephanie Horton. Yes. <laughs> I love, I love how you spell something out and then has to say in the dictator that no, I don't want that spelled out, Meredith, honey. Yeah, I just yeah. want it spelled right. <laughs> uh, so Stephanie's pregnant. She needs money. Don tells her that she can go to Megan's house, and he'll fly there later to talk to her. And then he calls Megan up to tell her uh, about it, and she says, there's a party at my house tomorrow. Uh, just a lot of conversation going on there. What did you think when you saw Stephanie Horton show back up? I have two thoughts. Okay. First off, remember in the second episode, or maybe it was the third episode. I don't know. It's compressed season's fucking with me. Yeah. But uh, Mary Wells, the advertising agency, was plying Don with an offer and booze and also what we think, a prostitute. And a lot of people are like, is that Stephanie? Is that Anne's daughter? Or not daughter, niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna Draper's daughter. And we're like, no, of course not. But... Do you think that she looked enough like her that it triggered Don's memory, and that's one of the reasons he had such a bizarre reaction to it? Hmm. Interesting. Because it's, it's, it's weird that they have her show up. He has that reaction, which is, you know, it, it, a little strong for what it was, which is him like, really, fellas, you know, I have to do the hard sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two episodes later, we have the real Stephanie. I I just wonder if there wasn't, if that's some sort of wiener foreshadowing. Maybe there's, there's a lot more foreshadowing than I expected, um, in previous seasons, even coming up to this point for, especially for Ginsburg, um, even for Don and Megan, a lot of stuff there. Uh, so I would not put it past him. Certainly. Okay. 
He seems to be good at that. <laughs> uh, so the creative team is wasting time, smoking weed, making fun of Scout. Then Don comes in to drop off um, some new work for them. And then he takes away the loose drawings from Stan. May <laughs> or may not be the last copy. Right. I love Stan. He's be, one of my favorite characters for a couple yeah. seasons now. Mm-hmm. His response to the dweeby guy saying, I guess Don's still faculty. He's like, nah, he's going to go stroke to him later. Hilarious. What exactly is he? so hard. I, I know what he means by the stroking <laughs> Okay, stuff. Let, let me not, explain. Not... <laughs> Sometimes when a young man feels like he's backed up, uh, what he does can he cut mean... his nipple off or... What does he mean uh, by faculty? I, I mean... Like he's the teacher. That's what you call a teacher. Sure, taking away the, the so kids' toys or messing around the in class. They're the students, and he's even though he's been demoted, he still sides with the teachers. He's st- he still. But Stan sides. is saying he realizes how dumb these things are. Like he's he's kind of in on the joke with us. Yeah, that he. That, yeah, that he. But he has not, to be right. the partner here. Like, and the fact that he would stroke to them is even saying that he's even more yeah. into it than they are. Okay. Like that, and, and the whole joke <laughs> is that Lou's got this aspiration, and it's terrible, and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I forgot to finish my thought in the previous scene. I was surprised at how down. I thought that Don calling Megan and saying, "Oh, by the way, my niece is coming, and I've made all these plans and whatever." That she that would be a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. She was surprisingly down for whatever she was until yeah. Stephanie actually showed up. But did you and? and that also was an interesting window into their life. Like, this is yet another one of those fights that they've had, and we're like, oh, my God, this is it. Yeah, yeah. And two episodes later, everything's cool. It seemed like it was a very epic fight as well. I mean, she kicked him out of the house for, yeah. I think, the first time we've ever seen. Doesn't Didn't want to see him again. Yeah. Um, but it also feels kind of like a natural arc for a relationship. I mean, you don't have, like a fight that brings down a relationship usually like you'll have a fight people will apologize make amends try to work on it and then later on the the fights will just keep compounding that's true it's just you know we've been talking about this for three seasons this downward spiral or every time they come back around they're a little bit a bit of a low a lower level i was surprised with all the strong words said that again megan's first thought was yeah sure whatever so, and I can't wait to see you, and you're still coming out next well, week. Well, I think that's a big part of it. Like, she's looking forward to seeing him the next weekend. Seems like she's genuine about that. Uh-huh. No, um, right. So when he calls up and says, hey, there's someone coming to the house uh, who I know, but I'm also coming out there this weekend. Maybe she's just happy that Don is coming out. Could be. Um, and so she overlooks the other part? I mean, and that could be, yes, yes. But okay. I didn't get the point that she's overlooking anything. She just seems to be... Uh, you know, that speaks well of her because she might have been high. True, <laughs> I think in a good relationship, this is the kind of thing you should be able to do. Like, I have a family member in need, yeah, yeah. and I've, you know, you've got the expectation that your partner is going to be down for whatever to help out. Sure, it's only in like bad relationships where people would be, or shitty people where people would be bad. But I was thinking that Megan. The relationship was bad <laughs> enough that he uh-huh. might, she might give static like, "Oh, really? You just expect he's going to drop this on me?" Yeah. Uh, I didn't um, even fucking imagine, know you had a niece. <laughs> imagine what would happen if uh, Henry tried to drop a niece on Betty hmm. in the middle of the day from across the country. <laughs> I don't think she could bear the weight if he just literally dropped her. Mm, probably not. So Betty and Henry are having some people over, and this scene is kind of 
the setup for that. They talk about, you know, what kind of food they're going to have and just mundane stuff. What is this neighborhood walking munch I don't that know. they've got going on? It seemed it, like a recurring thing. Yeah, it's it's like a bar hopping night, but house to house eating hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. I don't know what was up with that. I've never heard of that custom. Is that something that, that rich people and well-connected people do? Is that the I guess the upper crust, uh, upper crust version of the neighborhood barbecue? Well, she also made or a the point. Block party. I mean, yeah, all these people are probably fairly wealthy. I, um, but she yes. makes a point of saying, like, we're just regular people too, and I, that's the government connection. Do, do you not remember that when she when she says, uh, I think she says it to Henry, and I think it's in this scene where they're talking about like. You know this fancy smorgasbord that they're laying out, and um, and Betty's like, "Oh well, they need to understand that we're just regular neighbors. We're just regular people." Well, because so Henry's got some kind of elected office now. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of this stuff goes over my head, and I thought she was making a reference to because I heard like cocktail wieners and stuff like that. I thought that was a reference okay. to the food choices that she was trying to. Play up a homey angle, but you might be right. And again, I'm a dude. I I, this blows my mind that you'd have this house to house munching bullshit going on. Sure, never even heard of that. So maybe she's trying to make the food choice so they think you know. Yeah, like they're not super. You can have corn dogs, fancy or cocktail. But she's also got maki, which is sushi. And in the '60s, sushi is not the big thing that it is now. I thought maki was some kind of Greek thing. Uh, maybe it is, but a uh, sushi roll is called a maki roll. <laughs> we need to have our own cooking show. Jim and Aaron know nothing <laughs> about food. <laughs> Today we're making maki. I bring some ingredients. <laughs> you bring some Mediterranean ingredients. Sushi like, and baklava. It's two taste <laughs> great. It tastes great together. All right, let's move on. Stephanie's welcome at Megan's house with food and a shower, a much needed shower, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah, the whole. Uh... I just I just thought this was really funny. Megan's like yeah. saying, "You're filthy." Oh, I'm not trying to say you're filthy, but seriously, you're filthy. Yeah, yeah. Run a bath. It's and like, oh, is it that bad? Well, no. Oh, I don't know. In fact, Maybe after you is. get done in your bath, run me one because I hugged you. <laughs> yeah. And now I need one. Ugh. <laughs> they they do a good job of the the hippiness of the hippies portraying that. Yeah, Seppenwell mentioned that that they always uh-huh. go all out on the dirt. Yeah. The art department always gives them a nice patina. Sure, and we got a lot of that in the Patina. last episode with Roger and his daughter. Sure. Uh, Grimy, filthy, hippie sex. Yeah, definitely. So th- there's a mention of meat here. She really wants meat. Steak. Um, when Megan later cooks it for her, she decides, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Is this all about pregnancy and just her cravings, uh, or is this something deeper? Okay, so Stephanie is... Uh, BP. She's before podcast. And seasons one through three, I don't have a, a, a perfect oh, recall. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I was watching more as a fan and not not as quite as an, an analytic. In fact, wasn't she a season two phenomenon? Which that was before you uh, and I were watching it together. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like that's even. But I recall Stephanie as being pretty plain, plain dealer. Okay. Uh, I don't think she'd be the type that would order a steak and then turn her nose up on it just because she's trying to play some kind of game. Sure, I don't either. Is that what you're suggesting? No, I was wondering if there was metaphor to the meat. A meat metaphor? Yeah, a metaphor. (laughs) 
I I don't know. Uh, I tend to just explain it all because she's pregnant. Okay. Like steak sounded really good, but then the baby put her his foot right in the middle of her stomach, yep. or, and now she's got a little acid reflux action, and oh, I don't want to eat big old fucking steak. Okay, I could buy that as well. So Stan makes a joke about Scout's honor in the bathroom, and unfortunately, Lou is in the stall and he hears everything, but doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. Just just passive just aggressively it... takes it out in a meeting. And yeah. Then... What an asshole of a boss. Right. Yeah. The appropriate time to deal with that is in private in the bathroom when it happens. Or like as you're walking out, like, you know, Rizzo in my office. Yeah, yeah. And then you could get to the bot but yeah, he's he's a fucking asshole. Yep. What are you gonna do? The the man has a tiki bar in his office. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Let's go to his office. Uh, do we have to? We have to, unfortunately. During the meeting in Lou's office, he's pissed about the Scouts Honors joke. Um he gets fed up and he tells everyone that they're working late that night. Which ruins Don's plans. Can we talk about Stan's dress? Oh, hell yes. I, I don't we want can. I don't want to go Tom and Lorenzo on this, okay. but those pants so tight. The that belt so big. That ascot so flashy. <laughs> that he, shirt so denim. <laughs> he's like he's dressed like Fred from Scooby Doo, man. It's incredible. <laughs> I was full expecting and the hair and the beard and it's like I was full expecting uh, Shaggy to come in and zoik it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, and the beard is a fucking lion mane at this point. It, it's glorious. Yeah, I love that beard. I have beard jealousy <laughs> of Stan. And you have a pretty impressive beard it, in your own right. But yeah, I have limitations. He okay. wants a fork. I found that out mm. last year to my deep regret. I tried to grow like an epic beard. Mm-hmm. And it started fork after it got about three or four inches long. And I'm like, nope, I got to be like 50, uh, balding with a ponytail and on a, mo- a Harley Davidson to pull this <laughs> fork beard bullshit off. So I had to whack it back down. But All right. yeah, it's, fa- it's just full and out there. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, so there's a lot of commentary in this episode or in this scene about um, people not taking Scouts Honor seriously and what that means. Uh, he calls everyone flag burning snots says you've got a thing to learn about patriotism and loyalty. The very fabric of Scout's honor is a joke to you. Uh, there's a lot of authority themes running through this episode with many of the characters, uh, e- even to Don. They even extend that far. Uh, and Betty, even. Um, which I guess we'll talk more about as we get to them. Sure. Uh, but this is kind of where it all starts. Actually, it all starts at the very beginning with Scout's honor. What did you um, think about that squirmy guy that I, his name escapes me? Uh, Mathis, I think his name is. Is it? Uh, yeah. He kind of like tried to check, uh, try to bump Stan, and then Stan like body checked him back. Oh, as they're coming out the door? Yeah, that, I, Stan would destroy that guy. <laughs> He's like a foot taller and 70 pounds heavier. Yes. That guy could wear Stan like a suit. <laughs> he could get inside him like an exoskeleton, that's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I, I, I thought that was super funny. Sure. Uh, so then we go back to Betty's house, and she makes some dinner discussion faux pas when the topic of Vietnam comes up. Right. And Henry has to cover his ass. That's the problem, is the topic of Vietnam did not come up. She made a connection from the street violence and and, and yeah. over to Vietnam, and then opined that she thinks they should double down and uh, get these young people involved in more stuff maybe conscript them into the military wait we're already doing that (laughs) so we can win this damn thing yeah which is all i i take it is an ultra conservative view at this point in time in this at this point in 69 
Yeah. Uh, see, Betty is one of those spots where things start to get patchy in this episode for me. Okay. Because, especially when it relates to this theme of authority, um, Betty, in this scene, is suggesting that we should submit to authority. You know, they're they're putting on this war. We should be on board with it. The morale right. should be higher. So what we, yeah, right. So, um, well, we owe the government as citizens loyalty. And then when she's in the bedroom with Francis um, and he, and also in the kitchen and he comes down and chastises her for what she did in this scene, she seems to buck his authority uh, or what she would perceive in the 1960s as, you know, him being the head of the household and having the final say. Uh, she seems to just resist that, at least in the kitchen. I mean, she apologizes for it later in the bedroom. Which I was shocked by. I, I was too, yeah. But but she's kind of a mixed bag when it comes to that. Henry's kind of a mixed bag. Where did this come from? Sure. Like, we've talked about how preternaturally patient and understanding he is with Betty, even when, yeah. you know, the woman's, like, gained lost 100 pounds. She's her casual cruelty to her own children and to the quote-unquote help. Mm-hmm. Uh, the she possibly fakes a cancer scare. <laughs> yeah, we're not the, sure about the, that. The rape fantasy she, she has oh, with her thirteen-year-old house guest. Uh huh. What makes Henry lose his patience is her opening her mouth and giving a political opinion. It's interesting because that directly affects him, right? Yeah, like is everything else was other people that he doesn't like didn't really care about. Yeah, but this affects him and his political future, which might be a little uh, rocky. Sure. Pardon the pun. But still, I thought, like, there was no evidence that this was in his character. And not only that, but he just went straight to the demeaning, misogynistic cut-downs. Yeah. Put-downs, rather. And even yelling at her is way outside of his character. Although, they try to retcon it this episode by having Bobby tell Sally that I've heard these things before. I thought, see, he was referring to this incident. The, the, what do you mean? Uh, he was outside their door when he they were he was screaming uh-huh. and yelling at them. So I I don't I thought he made reference to that, not multiple instances. Oh, see, I was under the impression that he had he had said there were more than I just a just single fight. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to go back and look at that. Uh, so Don thinks he's on his way out uh, of the office for the night as he drops off some work, makes a rookie mistake, uh, and Lou says he'll do Don the courtesy of reading it. Sends Don back to work. Makes a rookie mistake with that briefcase in the hat. Think he could have pulled one over on Lou? I don't think so. I think Lou was just determined to ruin his night. Yeah, I guess that's what Don was hoping that he could get out of the, since he is faculty, that he could get out of the everybody write a sentence type of thing. What's what's another hallmark of a a bad leader? Like you always hate those teachers that like hand out class punishments when one or two people are what's doing it. Yep. I always wondered, like, so what is the takeaway? Am I supposed to beat the shit out of this asshole that's making me write a hundred sentences of bullshit in class? Is that what you're? <laughs> I mean, am I supposed to do a code red? Uh-huh. Because that's what the group punishment is to do. You punish the group, so the peer pressure. But short of being able to beat this guy's ass, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I don't get it. I yeah, I, I and mean, in a workplace, Lou is just a poor leader, so right, he's right. probably just fucking it up, and this is a terrible solution. In, in a in in anything outside of like some kind of military setting where it's like very Spartan, and you can get away with hazing and doing that shit to apply peer pressure with teeth. I, I just feel like that's such a stupid thing to do. Sure, 
Um, so we talked a little bit about what Lou does at Stupid. He also does recognize the rookie move, the rookie mistake that Don makes. Do you think... But that's the thing. Don's not... That's not a rookie mistake. That's Don just assuming that Lou's not going to be an asshole to him as management. It's like you well, and I are in this kind of together. Sure. I could buy that. I could also buy the explanation that Don just doesn't respect Lou's intelligence very much and doesn't think that Lou will pick up on that. Mm. Uh, because we've seen Lou just be a dumbass uh, every so often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's putting it mildly, maybe. Uh, do you think that maybe Lou recognizing this is to say that is to like prep us for this war that's about to happen, that maybe Lou will be more formidable of an adversary for Don than we thought? No. God, no. God, <laughs> okay. no. This is just Lou mis- misinterpreting every social. Don basically said, look, I busted my ass and I got this for you. Yeah. I'm not one of the kids. I'm not even. I was. I had nothing to do with what they're being punished for. Uh-huh. Letting me the fuck out of here. And Lou didn't. So then Don's like, he started getting real with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said he if it was up to him, <laughs> he would fire Lou. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. It's a little too late for that, but. Uh, and then Don tries to give him some honest to god advice. Mm-hmm. Like you should be above this bullshit. Like these guys are going to hate authority because that's what they do. They're young people. Don't make it easy for them. Sure. And and I think Don saying this is an office made of people um, with problem with authority. He's also kind of talking about himself. He's he is part of that office full, is he not? Yes, he absolutely is. Certainly. I feel like the only outsider here is Lou. Uh, probably probably Cutler. I mean, some other guys, but you know, he's talking to Lou here, right? Uh, so. I mean, that comes right back to the theme of authority in a very direct way. But you, and I think Don is, you know, opposed to it. But your question of whether Lou can outfight Don, <laughs> no fucking way. No, no. That was a question raised for the sake of discussion. Da- Don is Michael. Lou is Fred, Fr- Fredo. <laughs> okay, cool. So Don calls Megan to let her know that he can't make it to California tonight because of asshole Lou. Uh, Megan gets a little more familiar with Stephanie, who says that she knows all of Don's secrets, and Megan... Uh, kind of gives her some advice. Says your life is too disorganized for Don to approve of. Writes her a check and sends her off. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually doesn't send her off. Stephanie just feels like she's not wanted there. Well, th- that message received. Be- yes, because Megan <laughs> sends that message loud and clear, and so she leaves of her own volition. Uh, this is the scene where we were talking about her not eating the meat that she was prepared. Uh, there's some mention also of uh the pregnancy. Uh, Stephanie's being pregnant, and Stephanie asks Megan if kids are something that she wants, and Megan says, no, Don's kids are enough for me. What do you make of that? Well, I think there's so much going on here. Yeah. So many th- reasons that this particular package is threatening to Megan. The fact that she's you know young and beautiful and has this history with Don – and the fact that, you know, what 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 makes it tense for us as an audience is we know how hard he went after Stephanie and how kind of inappropriate that was and how that's in yeah. kind of Don's wheelhouse. And now he's pretending like that never happened and, you know, whatever. And that he's just, you know, that, yeah, yeah, you're my niece. That's how I see you. What, 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 am, I per- <laughs> what am I, a pervert? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so there's that that's going on for us as the, uh, the audience. Uh but I don't know. I feel like you know she notices that she's wearing Anne's ring, big deal. Which yeah. you know they're again connected to pets, talking about all the knows all of her secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And that's and, really the thing that gets to Megan the most. Yeah. It, it's that Don has this relationship with someone aside from her that is potentially and likely more intimate than right. the relationship that they have. That's one of the and things... And not that, physically intimate, but emotionally. That's one of the things that made them that made him special is that, you know, she... Don came clean to her yeah. in a way that he'd never done with a romantic partner before, except for mm-hmm. Anna. Well, now, who's dead, conveniently dead, and now you got this other girl coming in that she doesn't know about, and she's turning her nose up at her stake. Uh, <laughs> but I, I also think that there's a kernel of truth here, mm-hmm. that Don is... His first reaction to the women in his life is to try to control what they do. Oh, okay, yeah. And in fact, that is a that's a big streak in Megan and Don's relationship. This the fact that there's this father figure aspect as well as the husband lover aspect, which has always sure. been injected a weird kind of energy into their relationship. Yeah, and it's it's evident in Megan's behavior here. I mean, when she says that your life is too disorganized and Don wouldn't approve, right? That's a that's a very, you know, subservient thing for her to say right? in that scenario. And maybe she's also frightened that maybe Don, because Don does seem like he's geared up to just be, play the cool uncle role. Like, I could see him coming yeah, yeah. out there and, like, just kind of having a laugh about it and, hey, what can I do to support you in a way that would be offensive to Megan, who feels like she is so tightly controlled and judged by everything, you know. Uh, sure. Totally. She's pursuing her career, again, we talked about in similar ways to the way Don pursued his and being labeled as crazy. Then the final the final blow was when she said, you know, never nothing ever happened between us. Mm-hmm. We were talking, or I, I was talking with someone last night about how that, like there's nothing worse if you're in a relationship with someone than when they have a non-sexual friend relationship with another attractive person. Because okay. from outside, you're like, how can this possibly from, be non-sexual? From outside, <laughs> an, an intimate and a non-intimate relationship in public looks exactly the same, except for the non-intimate, they're not fucking, but you wouldn't know that, would you? Yeah, yeah. But they've got the inside jokes, and they've got the shared history, and they're both sure. hot. Why wouldn't they be fucking? I mean, that's that's something that's just going to peg your gelosimeter to 10. <laughs> and then you got Megan with all these insecurities and all these relationship problems in the first place, and it, it leads to disaster in this episode. Sure. This, Megan and Don, I think, are as uh, – I mean, this is – this this is their relationship is disintegrating as we see. And Megan, the harder she tries to get something going, the yep. worse she makes things. Yeah, there were there were several – Several things like that in this episode where solutions turned into bigger problems. Right. And the fact that, you know, she's violating the one rule that she set for her and Don, which is don't lie. Don't be telling lies. What she's doing, what she did with Stephanie and her version that she gave to Don is a giant lie. Sure. It's a a big, uh, big rift there Mm -hmm. between what she says and what she does. Uh, We go back to Henry. Um who yells at Betty for ditching him at the party and talking about the war. She apologizes. This is the scene in their bedroom and Bobby's outside the door and he hears the whole thing. Yep. I mean, again, the stuff, the stuff that the Francis's slash Drapers over in Castle Francenstein say to each other is terrible. This, this episode, <laughs> you know, not just this episode, but right. I get, it escalates this episode. I mean, so Pete's girlfriend said, I'm not the type of woman who complains about getting, was it, peanut butter out of the carpet? 
and it's basically something like that. Same version about about crumbs in the butter. I mean, we just saw a woman, and in fact, uh, Betty's uh, former best friend Francis very much belittled Betty, and we see that this attitude, this these 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 women are changing their attitudes toward their place in the home and work and all that, and Betty still yeah. is this old fashioned character. Yeah. It's. I think this is this frustration and stuff is starting to bubble up. And also, Henry did not marry Betty to be uh, a liberated thinking woman. Mm-hmm. He married her. I don't think you know. Obviously, consciously, he didn't set out to be this big of a pig. But he married her because she's the ideal person to be on your arm, sure. and it's the type of woman that he kind of wants. Yeah. No, I could buy and that. now she's bucking the mold, and it's it's uh, he he's he's the, the venom's coming out. Yeah. So on his way home, Lou tells Don that he's gonna wait till Monday to read his work instead of reading it tonight, and it's too late for Don to catch a plane that night, so he's got to go in the morning. Um, actually, you know what? He gets there early enough that I'm not sure he doesn't leave that night. I thought so that he did. Yeah, because it's like a, a six hour flight at least. Uh huh. Cross country. Right. Um. Hmm. Well, no, because the party is that night. It was that morning. Hmm. So when he, he gets in on it's Saturday the next morning, day. Yeah, 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 right. Uh, I'm I'm just wondering about the time frame there. But oh yeah, but he said I I assumed he meant ten o'clock at night, but he actually meant ten o'clock the next day. Well, he said the last plane was at nine. So if he were to leave Friday night, it'd have to be by nine. I don't think he made it. No, because it was dark. Yeah, and it's getting to be. I mean, we do and not he know. He's going to tuck him in. That implies that it's later than nine, in my right. opinion. Right. It's it. Yeah, he got out earlier than he thought from the first conversation with Megan, but later than he originally intended. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, but that's other. We have no idea what the date is. We don't. Uh, the last episode, I want to say it was somewhere around April. Yeah, it was, it was mid, mid to late April. We identified. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm assuming that it's. We flash forward another month, and we're in Mayish. Probably so based on the status of Megan and Don's relationship, and it was dark. It was definitely dark in New York, which has got to be uh-huh. eight thirty nine o'clock in for this time of, time of year. So sure. So then Betty gets a quick call about Sally, and then the next morning Don arrives at Megan's house and he meets Amy, and Stephanie's gone, and Megan and Amy go off to the market without Don. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't really want to talk too much about Amy until we get to some of the more. Some of the juicier scenes with her. So let's continue moving over the weekend. What about uh, Megan's statement, a little bit of foreshadowing, uh, when she says, any, uh, Amy says, anything for you, Don? And Megan says, I know what he likes. <laughs> likes a menage, apparently. I, I, but the thing is, is that she says that, but she doesn't. No, no. it's uh, We'll talk about that for sure when it happens. Uh, over the weekend, the computer really begins to bother Ginsburg. He's stuffing Kleenex in his ears. Uh, and then he accidentally sees a secret meeting between Lou and Cutler. They're getting homo. Getting homo in the homo room, apparently. Mm-hmm. And the, the computer's having some effects. Mm-hmm. And there was a YouTube video where somebody dubbed over some audio <laughs> over that scene. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. All right. Um, funny enough to link in the show notes? Uh, Sure, why not? All right. Uh, Henry brings Sally home and... Whoa, whoa. Yeah. We'd be remiss to not mention that that is a direct 2001 reference. Okay. 
Sure. And the scene where the astronauts are talking amongst themselves and Hal's reading their lips to see that they're plotting against him. Yep. A, c- a couple of those in this episode, they really, you know, they really hit it last episode and this one kind of tapered off. Interesting that they fl- they inverted that where uh, it wasn't the computer. It was the guy afraid of the computer listening in. Yeah. What does that mean? But I did this sp- distinctly see Lou mouth the words Don Draper. Yeah. I wish, I'm sure there's someone better reading lips than, than uh, us be, could give us the full dialogue. Probably. I looked on Reddit. I didn't see anything. So. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, Henry brings Sally home, and uh, she's got a broken nose, or not quite broken nose. And Betty yells at her for ruining her perfect nose. She sends her to her room until the morning. Uh, what does she mean by I'd rather do this in a barn in Farmington? Oh, that's a uh, uh, an abortion reference. Oh boy, illegal abortion reference. Really? Yeah, How... that's that's what Sally said. It's a nose job, not an abortion. Okay, is a barn in Farmington a place where they had abortions? Man, I I I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, there was coat hangers and alleys involved. Sure, maybe there's pitchforks and barns. It all sounds very unsafe Oof. and unsanitary. Yeah, it does. Uh, th- so here, Betty is really stressing the yeah this this the escalated quickly. Angle. Yeah, I mean her perfect nose. You know she's angry. I gave you that perfect nose, and you're ruining it. You're wasting it. I'm and I'm gonna bre- and then, then I'm gonna break your arm. Yeah, go to your room. This no. <laughs> so it's interesting. I didn't get what uh, one of the motivations of Betty in this scene in in sending Sally to her room until we see the scene with Bobby later on. Um, but apparently Betty does not like Bobby and Sally spending much time together, especially on their own. Cause I think she's afraid that Sally's attitude is going to rub off on Bobby, who she views as, you know, not old enough to hate her yet. Hmm. Um, and we get a little glimpse of that in the scene where he goes to her room, uh, which we can talk about later. Okay. So Megan gets a phone call, of which she's had many, and it's uh, some guy named Greenblatt's. Is that somebody from a studio or something, probably? I guess. I I didn't look that up. I don't think it matters. It's it's a call for Megan, and it seems like it's some sort of jealousy slash admiration from her actor friend, so hmm. okay. I'm, I'm guessing that's what that is. Then Ginsburg shows up at Peggy's house to complain about the computer and says that it's making men do unnatural things, according to... Ginsburg, mm-hmm. and then he goes to work in Peggy's living room while Julio watches TV with Peggy. That's that's the extent of her human interaction at this point. It's watching TV with the neighbor kid. Yeah, Julio. Yeah, kind of a, a weird arrangement. So at the party, well, if, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just that's just illustrates how alone she is. Sure. Yeah. That this annoying little kid that she's decided to have a nightly television watching extravaganza with him yeah uh so at the party amy flirts with don and then megan tries to repeat her zooby zooby zoo performance but don is unimpressed and then when harry shows up unexpectedly he and don decide to take off for the night uh go bar hopping uh well or bar sitting bar sitting single bar (laughs) sitting uh did you pick up on the Charles Manson-esque dress of the guy that she was zooby-zoobying with. Uh-uh, I didn't. Yeah, there. Uh, I saw that on Reddit that in his Manson family days that he was wearing a get-up and had his hair almost exactly like this guy's. Wow, okay. And it seems like 
that and there's a lot of people that saw the similarities with Sharon Tate and the pregnancy of Stephanie and people are wondering well is Stephanie going to be to Sharon Tate okay uh I don't know there's there's definitely going they're definitely going to touch on the Manson murders they just have to mm-hmm. after doing all this I don't think that I don't feel like a main cast member is going to be one of the ones dying though and I'll even throw Stephanie in that. Uh, oh, Amy, wow. okay. I could buy Amy being murdered. I could buy someone that's that that Megan knows. Mm-hmm. But there's just no way. There's no a way. murder in this universe for some reason seems really bizarre to me. Like it wouldn't quite fit. I I mean, I think it would fit. It just maybe that's why I have kind of a little bit of problem with Ginsburg's going crazy this episode. Because it just doesn't feel like a Mad Men theme to me. Like, it doesn't fit the tone of Mad Men very te- much. <laughs> like, I just think it's funny ha- that having the, a lunatic the running around is in the obby. Mad Men. One of the definitions of mad is crazy. Yes. And this is talking about the modern world and what it's doing to the male psyche and the feminine psyche and all that. But you don't see that Ginsburg is a manifestation of that, really? Uh, it's too blatant of a manifestation, in my opinion. Having a lunatic running around the office cutting his nipples off seems insane. Nipple, like, nipple. Okay, he hasn't still gone. He has, yeah, yeah, he's still got the one valve. Uh, it it just doesn't feel like Mad Men to me. Hmm. Mad I, Men feels more like what Don does at the end of this episode. Mad Men feels more like Betty and Francis, or, or Betty and Henry. I don't know. I feel like one of the mission statements that the Wiener has is to touch upon all of what he views as societal ills Mm -hmm. and how those have changed and how those have stayed the same. Uh, You know, contrasting how people view about pollution and environmentalism versus where we are now with that, you know, sexism, uh, sexism in the workplace, racism, uh, homosexuality, and the pressures that puts on people to maintain secrecy and to live these button down lives. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, certainly mental illness and how we treat the mentally ill is one of those society societal ills. So I feel like that's why I guess it doesn't bother me is that I feel like that's this is the story of of society and how it's transforming and changing and how it's not and particularly seen through the sure. lens of this one family, the Drapers. Yeah. And that's why I also don't mind because some people are like, why are we going back to Francis Stein? Because that that chapter's over. It's done with. Except for it's not. We still see the aftermath going through the kids. It yeah. also illustrates the stakes. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, why doesn't Don just go to L.A.? It seems like the obvious solution. Yeah. Well, he would be abandoning his kids to Castle Francistine, and that's terrible. Sure. And whether he does that or not tells us about Don and his soul. Sure. And, and I'm not going to argue that uh, mental illness does not play a part in society I'm going to argue that you can't cover every single bit of society, and mental illness is one that seems out of the purview of Mad Men. Or, or, and, I mm. mean, it's obviously not. They're covering it. Right. It just doesn't and it's have like the same sh- tone to me. And also, it's not like they shoe. I mean, I could see if this was like literally came out of nowhere and got shoehorned in, which I feel like some people are saying it is. It escalated really quickly at the end. I that's like, the only problem I, I have. I do feel like it. that's true to life. But I feel like we got some maybe feedback so. on that, so maybe we should we should wait to okay. consider that. Sure. Um, I don't know. There's some stuff I could say about Harry in this scene and Miranda and 
uh, him getting rejected because of his White Castle breath, but I'll move on. <laughs> um, Bobby sneaks into Sally's room, and they talk about Betty. Uh, he gets into bed with her. This th- There's a, something he says here about... Um, his stomach hurting all the time? His stomach? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the stress of Henry and his mother's strained relationship is taking mm-hmm. a physical toll on Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's really sad. Uh, But also, there was something else in the scene that made me think that Betty doesn't want them hanging out together very much, and something Bobby said, and I can't remember exactly what it was. So no, no, I mean, I I think that's. I don't. Do you believe that Sally's right when she says that this is a deliberate play by by Betty rather to keep them apart? I think so. I think with the comment that we heard about. You know, Bobby not Bobby and Eugene not being old enough to hate her yet. I think that that plays into it. Mm. Yeah, because she's trying to somehow slow it down by keeping them away yeah. from the contaminating influence. And yet, she's which is just failing what, when she freaks out about sandwiches. Yeah, for, forbidding your child from seeing their <laughs> sibling is only going to hasten that moment. Yes, absolutely. The tighter you squeeze onto them, the more they're going to slip through your fingers. Or there's also some question about whether or not Bobby's going to piss the bed. He said he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, Sally on. says they'll ne- they'll never let you out. You're too little. Uh, when he suggests, you know, leaving right. with her, right? Possibly running away. Uh, Bobby says, "Just for that, I'm pissing the bed. <laughs> too little, huh? I'll show you." <laughs> yeah, um, can't you know, a little little bit of ba- Betty came out there. Yeah, I think it's yeah. funny how that she is such equal parts Betty and Don because I think when mm. she was laying there, kind of leveling with her brother, it she had this kind of Don world weariness about her. Okay, um, but then this, this taking a shot at him pissing the bed, I thought was a little little bit of Betty. <laughs> so Peggy wakes up to Ginsburg staring at her, Ugh. right in her face, very creepy, and he explains to her that the computer's plan is to turn everyone homo. Uh, he makes a move on Peggy. And then Peggy says he needs to see a doctor. Um, she yells at him, it's just a computer. Ginsburg kind of appears to snap out of it and leave. Um, I don't know that he snaps out of it. I think he just realized maybe more drastic uh, measures are in store. Right. Because he does leave, but uh, not a good look in his eye. Uh, so at the bar, Henry, or sorry, Harry tells Don... The big news that Lou and Cutler are going after the commander business, which is cigarettes, and they're going to try to get rid of him. Um, do you want to say anything about this scene, or should we just talk about that all kind of at the end? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I thought was interesting is Harry's use of the word "final solution." Okay, which is of course what Hitler referred to, and they're eliminating the Jews and. Yeah. You know, we also had a lot of talk about the war, but we also had... There was some speculation that Ginsburg may have been in a concentration camp at some point. Yeah, that was an old theory, that uh-huh. he was a Holocaust baby. Um, and that now he's being eliminated, and he's, you know, he's screaming that this kind of, you know, say, get out while you can, save yourselves. Yeah. See, I, I don't know, man. If that's the case, I feel like that was almost... That, that imagery is a little crass. Mm-hmm. And and ex- exploitative, so I don't I don't really want to go there, and I th- I think I've considered the timeline. It just doesn't seem like it would work out. 
He was born yeah. in a concentration uh, camp at the end of the war. I don't think he, I think he's he's too he doesn't look like he's so what would that be? I mean, if he's born in 40, let's say, that's no, I guess pretty that early be, on. He'd yeah. be 29 at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, I guess that that would work out, right? That could work. So, I don't know. Is it would it be interesting if he was a Holocaust baby? And that's part started it his anxiety. It depends on what they do with mental, it. Yeah, right? In and of itself, no. That's if not he just goes, super if interesting. He, if he goes off and we never see him again except for maybe on the street. Yeah, not I, interesting. I, yeah, it's like, where? why would they do that? Yeah, I don't know. When Don gets home, Megan and Amy are waiting to have a threesome with him, and he only slightly reluctantly goes along with it. I think he was fairly reluctantly. I mean, he is uh, a man. Yeah, he gives in fairly quickly. But there's a lot of, I he don't think we really should be doing protest. this, and, and quizzical looks. And there, there are some looks. He's clearly uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Like, he's drunk. They're both stoned. This is the kind of tucking in that he would have preferred, as opposed to lose tucking in, I think. I just don't think he's an orgy guy. He's really pot, not. He's like Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, he'd need lotions and robes. Bathrobes, yeah. He'd have to get yeah. new orgy friends. I feel <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Don's a one-at-a-time kind of guy. Yeah, and this is weird because I feel like Don... D- Don doesn't like authority unless he's the one wielding it, hmm. I think. Um, and in this scene, that authority is kind of taken away from him. Megan surprises him with this, something that he is pressured into going along with, I think. Um, and it, it ultimately solves none of the problems that they have. Hmm. That's like I said on Facebook, it's like, oh, you've got insecurity, you've got relationship issues. (laughs) Let's do a three way. That'll solve everything. (laughs) Oh God, no. Uh, yeah. So I, I think there's a, that authority theme creeps into this portion of the episode as well. Um, there's a comment about tucking you in. I, I don't know that. There's much to that. It's just a. I do think it's a bookend of cut of uh, yeah. the the stuff with Lou. Okay, but Beyond I don't that, think it goes any deeper than that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next morning, Stephanie calls and Don says that he's worried about her, and Megan doesn't care to hear that. Mm-mm. Not at all. She's she's jealous that Don cares for Stephanie in a way in a way he doesn't care for her. Hmm. I think. Hmm. I don't know if it's. I I don't know what how, what does Don think about Megan. I have no idea. He, I don't think he does. <laughs> it's like with Ginsburg. She's. She, I don't think of you. Uh, no, that's I, it's not. not to that extent. But he doesn't call her. I don't think. They were most aligned when she was in. She was doing marketing work with him. Uh huh. And they have drifted apart from the moment that she kind of rejected his career path. Sure, I agree. And it just keeps getting so. May I don't think it's true that he doesn't think about her. It's just she's not. Interesting as the I don't I honestly don't know I honestly don't know how he really feels about her. Hmm. Okay. Um, and you know when he says he loves her, what that that really means. I thought it was interesting Amy's reaction because it feels like she has kind of picked up on the bad vibe and is a little sheepish about this whole thing. Yeah, and you wonder when that happened. Did it happen mid menage? Kind of mid menage meltdown. Yeah, that's no good. Mm-mm. Not at all. Mm-mm. Don just started sobbing. <laughs> and he cries ugly. Oof. Uh, after taking... I, also, I love it when he said, Harry told me some things he's not supposed to, and her first reaction is, ah, what is wrong with him? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 not, not it's not the thing with the pigs and the goats again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, after taking Sally to the doctor, uh, Henry brings her home, and 
they have an argument in the kitchen. Yeah, they basically pick a fight about where they park their asses. Yeah. Um, and Betty says, you're sorry, you forgot to inform me of what I'm supposed to think. Guess mm-hmm. what, I think all by myself. She speaks Italian, Jim. She does. Uh, one trip to Italy and you suddenly speak Italian, huh, Betty? I think she spe- I. I think she does speak Italian, though. I don't think that's a joke. No, I think she does. You're right. Uh, This is weird. She's, once again, kind of, she's bucking that authority. Uh Like, after having apologized for it and kind of giving in to Henry, she's turning around and saying, I might run for office. Mm. It's very strange. That Betty's kind of all over the map for me. Yeah, I wonder if that is an idle jest or if that's going to be something some kind of arc where she does try to run for some minor office we only have office. nine episodes left yeah i mean with there's... two this season think of what all's happened in the five we've had so far i mean they yeah. could squeeze that in no problem all right ginsburg uh delivers a, a nip in a box to peggy here <laughs> and she freaks out and calls the authorities wow i couldn't believe this uh, I had roughly the same reaction that Peggy did. I jumped back in my seat when I saw what it was, and I freaked out a little. Uh, and Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss playing this reaction, I thought was brilliant. Yeah, that is a very tough thing to do—to lose your ship and then keep it together just long enough to get the situation under control and being terrified mm-hmm. and shocked and just agog at this whole thing. Getting getting gifted with the the slice nipple, um, and how calm Ginsburg was about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's psychotically calm. Yeah, and I, and this could have broken a lot ba- worse because last year when he's talking about they were like beaming the dangerous thoughts mm-hmm. or the unsafe thoughts. I forget the exact terminology he used, but it was it's chilling in light of what happened here. I mean. It, it's a damn good thing that Peggy. I mean, imagine, you know, how, what if Ginsburg gets staring at her for an hour and decided to get a knife and and make some connection between them by opening up their veins or something? I mean, this could off her bad. nipple. Yeah, this could have gone bad pretty quickly. And I mean, this is a fairly benign. I mean, for everybody, but Ginsburg way yeah. to end things, and it's just, you know, it's really sad. Uh, yeah, it's just it's. It's terrible. Sure. I agree with that. Uh, finally, we get to the scene that I think everybody loved so much. I know I did. Don shows up at Lou and Cutler's meeting with Commander, and then he pitches them an S-T-R-A-T-E-G-Y for doing business with SC&P while he retains his job. Uh, genius move by Don. Yet another move that I didn't see coming, and yet in hindsight it makes complete sense. He's he's changing the conversation, as oh, yeah. he always does. And also addressing the elephant in the room and uh, shooting it like the CEO of uh, GoDaddy. I think <laughs> that he, yeah, I mean, the fact that he disarmed that and then also said, yeah, I'm ready to leave. I can leave any time, but here's why you don't want me to leave. Yeah. And then he draws... To, to sketch some modicum of respect to Lou, he says, like Lou, I have 10 years, you know, but so, so he's assuming that Lou is already going to pitch his tobacco experience and anticipating that he's then spinning on why he's better. 
Yeah. And while, like, you know, yeah, he's worked around it, I have saved your guys' asses in five separate occasions in the last decade. Uh Uh-huh. And I've seen the other side. I know the strategy, and I know how to beat it. That's the thing. That's that's the clincher for me. Not not only those two things, but he also uh, is willing to write an apology letter for the letter that he wrote to the New York Times— trashing tobacco i'm not sure if that's the exact offer but definitely he signaled signaled that he would fall on his sword and humiliate him in whatever way that would be satisfying to themselves yeah and not just to themselves but the tobacco industry as a whole right right like they're going to kind of be the heroes of tobacco by getting the evil don draper to bow down to their wishes Plus, I think there's something, and I'm not sure exactly what, because he said they are still your competition, right? Mm-hmm. Implying that maybe that was also slightly menacing. It is. I mean, if Don, like, they've been kind of foreshadowing this, I think, in multiple arenas. Um, we know Joan did this with the shoe company. She said, hey, look, if you fire us, we're going to be your competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Don, Roger essentially said the same thing about Don in the partners meeting where they were talking about firing him. Now, Don is doing the same thing to Commander. Hmm. If you fire me, I'm going to be your competition. No, no, that's not... He's talking about the uh, other tobacco company that he's mentioning about their friends. He said that uh-huh. those are still your competition as well. I don't think he's threatening to go to the other side, or maybe he, maybe that was. I think that's what he's doing there. Huh. Saying, if you push me out of this agency, I'll join up with another agency. We'll land the other tobacco companies and huh. work against you. Well, that, that would be a, certainly a very veiled threat. Hmm. Uh, no, but it definitely – and also he said something that we we know is true, that Don didn't have any ideological problem with tobacco. It was a spiteful thing he did to try – and also to try to save his company. Yeah. So seen through that light. But then again, I don't know. I, the, I'm not sure where this is going to go because – as the uh, tobacco guy said, the commander tobacco guy said, uh, we're not ready to turn on our friends as easy as you are. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, so Don's basically stabbed someone in the back and he's now offering to stab the other person in the back for this new person. And there's yeah. something that's unappealing about how mercenary that is. And that's, I think that's going to be, I don't know, man. Cutler might be right about this not saving him. And it would yeah. also be this this would be the second time the the wiener has set us up for an epic Don moment mm-hmm. and then show him completely set back on his heels the next episode. Sure. So definitely brilliant and it's what we expect out of Don Draper. I but this feels like the season of scripts being flipped. I think scripts are about to be flipped because there are a couple of interesting things that are about to happen. Okay. In history here. Um, April 1st, 1970, the Public Health Cigarette Smoking Act is passed by Nixon. Sure, sure. Uh, and basically it required a stronger health warning on cigarette packages that says, warning the Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health. The act also banned cigarette advertisements on American radio and television. Sure. That's huge. If If this thing can get delayed until April next year they may not have a reason to fire Don at all. Well, I think, I don't know. It depends on, because there's two ways to look at that. Number one, oh, we can't do radio and television shit. We're screwed. Mm -hmm. The other way to look at it is, what are we not doing now that we can do, and how can we make the advertising we're still allowed to do more effective? 
so, magazines, newspapers, racetracks, sports yeah. sponsor, you know, race sponsorships, all the, the clothing, the youth, youth advertising, all the stuff that we've seen. And it's funny because the government continually tries to just stick its fingers in this dike that is tobacco. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, seal up these loopholes, but they're very good at, at pivoting out of that. Mm-hmm. And you can see a guy like Don saying, I know what's coming. And, you know, you can get up the inside track and we'll be ready to counter each one of their thrusts where your competition is going to be scrambling. And I assume that Don is probably talking about that act. Um, if he has sat down with the government and said, Yeah. Uh, or with the American Heart strategy. Association or whoever he was, yeah, yeah. was with. Who was probably working to draft legis- legislation to get the advertising removed, et cetera. Um, the other thing that's about to happen, as you said, talking about pivoting into other markets and stuff, American Tobacco Company is about to rename itself to American Brands Incorporated mm-hmm. and start buying up other types of goods, mm-hmm. not just producing tobacco and making cigarettes. Hmm. So they are about to pivot into something bigger. Uh, pretty interesting historical stuff there. Um, the uh, police come in to SCNP, and they cart off Ginsburg, and Peggy eyes the computer kind of suspiciously or angrily, um, Gives a, a little ch- of both. A ch- uh, my notes say a chilling look at the computer. Yeah, what did you make of that look? I don't know. To, uh, to me, it felt like angry, like, look what you did to this guy. Sure. <laughs> Um, the but cre- at the same time, she can't really blame the computer. After all, it's just a computer, Ginsburg. Yeah, but there is something that none of the creative li- creative types liked about bringing that thing in at the expense of creative. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's undeniably, you know, we've talked about Ginsburg being just a nudge away from madness. That unmistakably the nudge. Definitely, yeah. So I can see why she would have a lot of anger about, you know, that and and how that went mm-hmm. down and kind of was rammed down everyone's throats. Okay. Final scene: Don sees Lou and Cutler off after the meeting. Uh, the war is on. The yes. war is definitely on. The much war like is now the Vietnam sh- War. It's now a shooting war. It's a hot war. Yep. Uh, there are several parallels with uh, this war and Nixon and Vietnam. I don't know what they all are. I wasn't alive at the time. It's hard for me to say, and I don't know much about the period. Um, but that won't keep there's... us from podcasting about it, folks. Don't you worry. <laughs> there there are maybe a couple of other things I want to talk about the meeting. Um, a lot of people are saying that Don just completely, blatantly violated those stipulations. He that... did. I only I'm see one him violating people. one. Which is? Which is not sticking completely to the script. He does stick to the script in the fact that he volunteers to leave the company, which they were going to say, and they even thank him for saying it so they don't have to. But that wasn't an approved script. Uh, It was approved by at least the people who knew about it. But but Don wasn't one of those people, so how could he possibly know that's a talking point? But it was a talking point. It doesn't matter if he knew or not. Look, approved script means Don sends a script, all the partners sign off on it, and then he gets it back and he sticks to that. This is Were him, these partners going this to is say him, that? This is him stealing a script. And, that is approved by the partners, and presumably. Then, and then crashing it without permission. Like, I don't see how you can say that that is anything less than a blatant... Uh, the script in this meeting was, let's get them on board and get Don out the door. That's exactly what Don told them. He did then... I think violated by suggesting an alternative. 
That he broke from the script there, certainly. I'm not going to argue that. There was no script at that point. I like, disagree. He's uh, okay. So you think? Did Lou and had Lou and Cutler talked about what they were going to say in this meeting? Of course. That is a script approved by partners who knew about it. I cannot believe you're making this argument. It's literally blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind that you don't understand it. I know. I perfectly understand it. I still okay. can't believe that. Like you would sit there if you were Don and say I was following the script that I had no knowledge about. But he did have and, knowledge of it. A. So he's going to burn Harry. Who knows? And and the other thing is, so I stole this script mm. that I that I don't know that all the partners I'm one of the partners it didn't get approved and I'm and and uh, I then went off of that script because none of the other shit he said as pitching of his personal was certainly approved. So that mm. is a clear violation. I agree of the there. Rule. Yeah, I, I think the first and, and the first you're arguing you're arguing letter versus spirit. I think sure. there's a violation of the spirit and then the letter of the law. And there's also, um, it seemed like there was something about him, the fact that he was meet, at that client meeting without permission would have been a problem as well. Mm, I don't think so. He's just not allowed to meet with clients alone, which he didn't do. And also, he, he did this, this did not come through uh, Lou Avery's office, so he also uh, is insubordinate. I disagree. You... He's in that meeting. Please explain how this is something that Lou Avery would want him to do. And if, if he didn't do it, then he, that's insubordinate. He it's volunteered to go along with what Lou was going to tell the guy. Dude, I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, you're right. I'm very much arguing letter of the law. I, I think it applies in this situation. I, like I said, I think that this might be foreshadowing when Cutler says, you think this has saved you. You think this sure. is going to save you. I could see that. Uh, I, you know, and again, the only way that Don is working there is because Roger is so passionate about the argument. Mm -hmm. Uh, if he blatantly, and he did blatantly violate at least one of the rules. Yeah. And there was a zero tolerance. I just, I, I don't see him talking his way out of it. If Cutler makes an issue out of it. Sure. The only thing that would save him is if I think American tobacco comes back and says, we're going to, we're going to go forward, but only if you guarantee that Don Draper is part Mm -hmm. of, is on the campaign. And I think that's his real gambit here. Can he convince them that they need him? He's uh, basically relying on the client wanting it so bad. Yeah. That it makes him relevant again, which is a huge gamble. And I don't (laughs) know that it'll pay off the way I was reading that room is they were intrigued. Mm -hmm. But again, the whole mercenary nature of that relationship and, the naked offer to betrayal. That's it's like I I say in Game of Thrones with the uh, the or the Mongols, the 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 Genghis Khan going up to city after city, saying, "Hey, open up the gates and I'll spare you," and then fucking killing everybody. Eventually, that yeah. word gets around, and you're going to meet a city that's like, "Fuck you, I don't care. Yeah, Come yeah. get it." Sure. Uh, I I just uh, that's that's hard for me to. I mean, I mean. To, God knows tobacco executives are greedy and short-sighted, so maybe Don <laughs> and Don knows that too. So maybe that's what he's counting on. But it seems like maybe. a bad play. Either way, I'm super curious to see how the war plays out for sure. Because uh, it it sparked in a pretty phenomenal way. Uh, that's it for the episode. All right, we have a thing that we do usually in between episode and feedback, which is our uh, pimping. My God, this is going poorly so far. <laughs> We are proud to be sponsored by Hover at Hover.com. You know, there's a lot of places you can go and register domain names at nowadays. There's companies that advertise on the Super Bowl and don't give a shit about privacy. And then there's places like Hover. 
Hover doesn't believe in heavy-handed upselling or charging you for something that should just be there. A lot of places, you'll get halfway through the shopping cart experience thinking you're getting a low price, and, oh, you need privacy for your domain. Mm-hmm. That's two ninety nine. You want it to be secure. That's an extra 4 bucks. They nickel and dime you. Yep. Hover knows you need that stuff, and they put it in there at their low price. Also, they pride themselves on service and support. Do you have a problem? You pick up the phone. You talk to a real-life person. No automated ticketing system. No confusing dialing on your touchpad numbers to get our person to help you out. And you know, Jim and I wouldn't send you to some place that we haven't tried ourselves. We've transferred a few of our domains over to Hover. We really liked their system. We tried their valet service where we used that real live person to hold our hands and walk us through the procedure. Couldn't be easier. We couldn't be more thrilled at the service. Bottom line is the people that know their stuff recommend Hover. Jim and I are such people and we are recommending Hover to you. Go to Hover.com and use our exclusive bald move promo code pepperoni. Oh my, what could that be in reference to? Do I have to put it in the gift box and wrap it up? Pepperoni, make sure you spell it right with two Ps, and get 10% off your first order. Thanks for them for sponsoring us, and uh, we'll get on with the feedback. Thomas says, am I the only one wondering why Sylvia and or Arnold haven't appeared this season? In years past, Don's former flames have disappeared once his affairs were done. But it strains believability to think that Don would never encounter Sylvia and Arnold, last seen in episode 511 Favors, since they both still live directly beneath Don's apartment. Arnold was a close friend of Don, and to our knowledge, he still doesn't know about the affair. I think that the wiener is missing a huge dramatic opportunity by not showing the full consequences of Don cheating so close to home in season five. What do you think? So, we skipped a fair amount of time between seasons. Um... I mean, we assume that Arnold and Sylvia are still downstairs. We don't really know that. Uh, we don't know what happened in the meantime. I am a little surprised that they didn't even give us some hints as to what happened there. Not like Sally has talked about it with Don very briefly, but that's it. And and it was never explained how that ended. I would be surprised if we don't get some explanation. And we do, because some people's like, well, what evidence do we have that we're still living there? Well, number one, we didn't have that big of a jump in the season. Yeah, number two, not a huge one. Sally's in the impression that she could bump into her by going to that building. Oh, did she say something about that? Yeah, when she's at the dinner, it's like, you know, you know how stressful it is for me to oh, go there? Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. find that woman and see her again and smell her perfume. And Don didn't be like, no, no, she she left. That's gone. It can never sure. happen again, okay. pumpkin. Yeah, so they are downstairs. Yeah. Um... I don't know, because that broke bad for everyone so far around. And I think, if anything, Sylvia would be cut him off mm-hmm. because she was horrified by the Sally thing. Don was horrified by the Sally thing. Would it surprise me if we see them again? No. Would I feel like it's uh, we didn't have full consequences? No. I feel like Don experienced the worst consequence, which is a loss of love from his little girl. That's sure. the worst thing that can happen to Don Draper. Absolutely. Um, and, and Mad Men, when they end these kind of things, they sometimes don't end them, you know, uh, directly. They'll end yeah. them indirectly. They'll A character will utter a line later on that implies that something happened. Sure. And maybe we'll get some of that. Sure. I, I don't think we'll see him again. Who John, knows? John in California says, I know all of Don's secrets. I got what I came for. Will Stephanie's blackmail be the thing that brings down Don in the end? Remember, Dick Whitman was seen committing a felony, or has been committing a felony, every year he signed his tax return as Don Draper. Stephanie or hippie milieu may be Don's Manson family, quote-unquote. Do, do you think that Stephanie will attempt to blackmail Don? 
Well, he says, John says that she's already blackmailing Don. And I did not view it that way. Wait, though I who see said this? The emailer. Okay. Oh. He said that it was blackmail. Um, and I didn't see it that way during the episode, but I also see how it. You could definitely read it that way. No, oh, I strongly disagree. And I don't even think I can. I mean, I'm it's blackmail with way. a smile if it's blackmail, but I don't know. I think it's more I'm your niece and I'm in trouble and you're the first person I thought to call. There was no like sure. or else. But what happens next time she's in trouble? I think Don helps her. Okay. What if Don eventually stops wanting to help her? I don't. Again, can he? Is that an arrangement that he could yes. make? Yes, and the fact that Stephanie took her brush off from Megan like a champ tells me mm-hmm. that she's a little bit hip. She cares for Don. But only after getting a $1,000 check. She didn't ask for that, man. She asked for money. Certainly. Directly. Certainly, but it wasn't. If she only cared about the money, she wouldn't have called. And also, I thought she tried to put a positive spin on Megan. I mean, she she could have said nothing at all or implied that Megan gave her the brush off, but she said mm-hmm. Molly. Megan's a solid, solid lady. Sure, I'm. I'm playing devil's advocate here because I don't. I, like right. I said, I didn't pick that up. But I, I think it could be construed as blackmail. The other thing is, I already said that I think Stephanie is a plain dealer, and that would be kind of a violation of her character. And she just, I don't know. She I doesn't don't know. She tells Megan, "I know all of his secrets." Right before Megan writes up a big check. Well, but that's also in the context of. You know her and th- them chatting about sure. his past. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I like I said, I I did not get that at all. Okay. Anything else? No. Rob A says I wanted to bring up the last scene in Jim Cutler's line. You think this is going to save you, don't you? When Cutler was referring to, or while Cutler was referring to Don's job, I think the Wiener was speaking to Don's character. Don Draper thinks this job is just what he needs to save himself and to put things back in place. Oh, I like where this is going already. Why else hasn't he just moved out to L.A. to party in the new Pete Pit 2.0? Well, his kids, for one, like you said. This job, this agency, is who Don Draper is. Without it, he's just a regular everyman, just another Dick Whitman with classic good looks and a giant penis. For him, a pretty terrifying thought. I know. I'm scared just thinking about it. With the talk... (laughs) What is going on? I feel like Ginsburg... (laughs) <laughs> is this email making me homo? What's happening here? No, I'm interjecting. I'm interje- <laughs> I thought so. Okay. okay. All right. I thought that's clear to people. I, I don't know why I think that I'm people, not sure that that was clear that I time. don't know why I assume that people can understand without me shifting my voice or uh, altering my pitch that I'm just ma- I'm just inserting stuff into people's email that amuses me. Okay. But if, if a emailer is gratuitously swearing or talking mm-hmm. about dicks out of nowhere, it's usually me. Okay. Anyway, without it, he's just a regular everyman. Um, with the talk uh, in the first half of the season being more about the material world and the second immaterial, we might be able to see where things are headed. Don's road to redemption isn't just about getting his office back. It's much more than that. A reconciliation with his past that has been the focal point of the past season and a half. Without this job, without the agency, we will see if Don can truly find a way to save himself from his demons. I like that. I like that take about that dual meaning of you think this is going to save you, don't you? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Don has to escape SCMP? Do you think that this is his pegatory? <laughs> purgatory? Pegatory. Do you think it's his purgatory? Huh. I mean, we've always kind of talked about how everyone at SC, uh, DP, SCMP, uh, all of them, have been kind of scumbags. And being in that environment, I'm certain, doesn't help Don at all. 
So, I mean, getting out of there would probably help him. I just don't know what he would become at that point. Uh, a good father, he... <laughs> a healthy <laughs> well, individual. But he's right. A lot of Don is tied happy. up in his work and this company. I get it, but that's – I think what, he's arguing without that, that part, like... Yeah, without that part of Don, what does he become? Dick Whitman. Okay. Only – I could see that. Only he needed to take this journey to be at peace with Dick Whitman. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it's starting to feel like this is going to be a rosier end for Don. Like, it's going sure. to be post-advertising world. It's going to be like, – um, maybe they're still we're still spending this time with Castle Francistein to establish that maybe Pe- Betty will be out of the picture. And Don can just move his kids out to L.A. Maybe – Maybe Sally's old enough that she chooses to live with him with the promise that maybe uh, Bobby and uh, Jean, when they complete their uh, own penance and go through their hell, that they can they can go over uh, to the West Coast with Don. Hmm. I, it, a happy ending for Don cannot mean him abandoning his children. Sure. It can, but but Megan's up for grabs. In fact, I don't see them... I don't see the credits rolling on this series with him and Megan together. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, I also couldn't possibly see him and Betty ever becoming anything oh, hell to no. each other again. No, 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 no. If just for the kids. Uh, so those are kind of some stipulations on what it can't include. <laughs> right, right. But it does feel like, and maybe this is just a, a wiener gut punch coming. Uh, I think we'll know. I think we'll have a very good feeling by this mid-season finale. Okay. Whether we're going for a redemption and an uplifting arc, or whether we're going for a punishment, karmic payback, you can't escape who you are kind of arc. Coriel says, whoa, on your podcast last week, I believe you talked briefly about how unpredictable the show can be, referring to the randomness of events like the lawnmower tragedy, mm-hmm. tragedy of the British foot. I don't think anyone could have predicted that a period drama about advertising would contain an episode where a man cuts off his own nipple to release computer-generated homoerotic thoughts from his body. Right. May, yeah, I mean, what his penis doesn't work. Uh, well, that wasn't the that That's, wasn't the what did he call it? Uh, the data waves. This is valve. No, the, the valve. The it's yeah. literally a valve. It has valves built into it, man. <laughs> Maybe Matt Weiner is trying to say something about how unaware people are of mental illness. There's probably many suffering people who never get the help they need because they and their peers are simply ignorant of the fact that they are sick. I do mm-hmm. believe that that is that is true. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, Louis R. said, Stephanie was very pregnant, as was Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant when she was murdered. Uh, That's where I got that information in the main recap, so thank you for that. Also, one other interesting comment, when Don told Megan to tell Amy to leave as he wanted to keep the Stephanie situation inside the family, then a day later, the menage a trois happens, which brings Amy into the family. Uh, Is... Is... Are we missing something? Like maybe Amy's going to find out about Don's secrets and that's going to be a problem for him? Mm. It just seems like Don's post-worrying about Dick Whitman. Yeah. Maybe the IRS throws him in jail. Maybe. I don't know. Doesn't seem like a very satisfying ending, in my opinion. No. Because Dick Whitman doesn't deserve that. Don Draper does. It's good enough for Al Capone. It's probably good enough for Don Draper, though. Probably. Probably. Moving on. Yep. Jamie T said, this was the worst episode of Mad Men I've seen in a long, long time. And Jamie's watched a lot of television with us. Wow. Yes, she has. 
it reminds me of season two, perhaps because of super superfluous Betty whining and the whole jealous spouse thing we've seen so much before, this time with Megan. Megan's more entertaining about being jealous. Uh, three-way? What? But it ain't the office drama's been kicking ass this season. The worst offense of all was the dialogue. Mad Men's always had dialogue that airs on the side of style over reality, and like Quentin Tarantino or Joss Whedon, you can forgive something for being too smart. With television shows, it's hard to pin anything on one writer, but I'm going to go ahead and blame this David Iserson fellow who has never shown up on a Mad Men writing credit before. Guys, I never even glanced at the writing credits, and I could hear something was off. The fight between Betty and Sally particularly stung. We're used to seeing people somehow think coherently during Mad Men arguments, but my God, every single line was one of those perfect comebacks you'd wish you'd said two days after the fact. I'm hoping this one's an anomaly. One thing I don't understand here is, is, is Jamie arguing that this argument was beneath Mad Men or it was too perfect? I think both. I think too perfect is beneath Mad Men. Mad Men has a way of because I thought kind of being be- realistic. That's dialogue sometimes. I thought this evolved the kindergarten playground pretty quickly. I thought so too. I'm so I'm honestly mean? not on the same page as Jamie on this one. I am not either. I'm not either. But, you know, to each their own. Um and but I I, I get it. Uh that drives me crazy too. If I'm if I'm watching a show and I feel like it downshifts in an mm. episode or two, it, it really sticks out. I just you know, you're not alone. A lot of mixed ba- feedback amongst professional critics and amongst list- uh, fellow watchers. So um, hopefully next week we'll hit you hit you better. We're, there's only two episodes left. God, I hope it does. Yeah, I mean, I I'd I hate, agree I'd with some of the tone be, stuff, but the dialogue was fine for me. I'd hate for people to be bummed out with Mad Men. You know, Breaking Bad did so well last season, ending things, mm-hmm. uh, giving something for everybody. It just sucked that if the wiener couldn't stick the landing. Uh, Dan G said, we're not quite sure of anyone's role within the story, whether at home or at the office. We're thrown back into Don and Megan's relationship without any context. Last time we saw them interact, they were on the brink. When Don calls Megan early in the episode, they seem to be back normal. What are they to each other at this point? And what's Megan's relationship to Amy? At SCNP, things are no clearer. What role do the copywriters play now that the computer has taken residence in the creative lounge? And how much of Lou's bullshit does Don have to take since, after all, he founded the company? Our confusion is shared by the characters. When Don's niece, Stephanie, uh, phones the office, she mentions that she wasn't sure to call herself to her secretary. Wait. Whoa, she wasn't sure what to call herself to his secretary. Mm. No one really knows what to call themselves in 1969. Mad Men has always been a show about upheaval, and The Runaways narrows the focus to overturning the traditional family. We see several variations on family, none of which is the traditional mode of father, mother, child. Surrogate fathers and stepfathers, Don to Stephanie and Henry to Sally. Surrogate wives, Harry's date, uh, <laughs> who will now have to find a ride. Single parents, Stephanie, Ginsburg's dad, plus the young tenant in Peggy's building lives alone with his mom. Same-sex couples, Megan's ambiguous relationship to Amy, Cutler, and Lou, although this one exists only in Ginsburg's mind. <laughs> Polyamorous relationships to Don, Megan, Amy, Triangle. Or exists only in the computer room. Mm, well that's where the waves are the strongest jim <laughs> true uh so hmm. it says Mad Men began in an era where societal roles were defined by the family the father earned a paycheck the mother took care of the home the children were seen and not heard unless they were around to take the occasional drink order without the structure these roles become less evident and people are forced to reorient themselves at changing times uh 
It says, none of this makes anything clearer, obviously, which can take make a man just want to cut off his own nipple. Society has become so jumbled in Ginsburg's head that his defining moment makes as much sense symbolically as it does physiologically. The nipple is representative of the mother, not the father. Is Don's gambit at the secret William Morris meeting just as crazy as it is destructive? I guess time will tell. What do you think about the parallel between Ginsburg nipple cutting and Don's uh, boardroom ninja style? Uh, a lot to process in that email. Um, there was a lot more to it. I had to wow. edit for content and time. I, can you explain to me again the the parallel between Ginsburg and Don in the boardroom? Um, I think that uh, basically was so Ginsburg did something in his own head mm-hmm. that made sense to him. Yeah. Both on a symbolic and a thematic and a real level. Don, in his own head, and we're kind of in his head from his POV, did the same thing with this this ninja meeting. Uh, but is is was the parallel, since these scenes kind of booked Eve and interleaved with each other, is there a parallel there that we're supposed to see what Don's doing, like from Cutler's perspective, that this is crazy, the tobacco executives are not are not titillated. They're horrified that this, this assassin is back to offer to kill his previous uh, boss again. Maybe. That's not the vibe I got at the end of the episode, though, with Don whistling for his cab. That, that felt me like to me like a triumphant whistle. Like a, I just got back in the game kind of whistle. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I, if, if that's what they're trying to say, then it was lost on me. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, grimy little Mitch from New Jersey wonders, where's Bob Benson? Only two episodes left, and we still haven't gotten any. <laughs> Praying he finds his way into some of the show's final nine episodes. You Detroit. predicted we'd never see him again. I did. And that's feeling like a very strong prediction. Detroit. He's been mentioned multiple times. In fact, if the midseason climax is with Don leaving the company, mm-hmm. which is starting to feel like it's the case, I don't think we'll ever see Bob Benson again. And you'll be right, you son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we still have some stuff to conclude with Peggy, certainly. Um, yeah, we were going to see more of that office, I think, even if Don leaves. All right. Because he's not the only character that we care about in that office anymore. Right. So maybe there's still a shot, but it's looking more and more like we won't see him. Hmm. Uh, I think that's oh, so one more. Nick G said at first, Megan's discomfort around Stephanie seems like it's the op- from the obvious suspicion that Stephanie has a past with Don and the baby might even be his. I didn't get that, but I'm going to roll with it. The discomfort comes from something deeper than that. Stephanie's the things that Megan is pretending to be. And at the same time, her total opposite. Megan is a pretend hippie while Stephanie is clearly the real filthy deal. <laughs> Stephanie is pregnant and unmarried while Megan is married and unpregnant. <laughs> while Stephanie seems genuinely free and independent and moving into motherhood, it seems like Megan is moving backwards into teenagerhood with her corny party and living off her dad like husband while she chases a fruitless and corny dream. I guess Megan lures Don into the tr- threesome to maintain control over him since he doesn't want to take the bait to assert himself when she dances with the hippie so that she has to turn up the juice. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. That dancing, the zooby zooing with the hippie was a clear provocation to jo- Don, and he yeah. wasn't taking up the bait, which sure. made Megan upper game to threesome territory yeah all right uh it's also um 
is that then Don is back to using things that happened in his personal life to fuel his creative and professional fire again because he then immediately goes into his second threesome with two other people he doesn't like. <laughs> where he assumes a submissive role in order to keep his job. The cigarette brand being called Commander is laying it on pretty thick since Don is being dominant by feigning submissiveness. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And also, I don't think we mentioned this yet. Uh, we've talked about it, but we haven't mentioned it. Ginsburg cutting off his nipple and presenting it to Peggy is a lot like when Van Gogh gave his ear to the prostitute. Like Van Gogh, Ginsburg is a real artist. Okay. That's a nice parallel, too. Thank yeah, for there, sure. Nick. If you guys want to read more about like the themes of authority and power in this episode. Wired actually did a really good write-up on that oh, this yeah? time. Uh, so go search for their uh, 705 review. Okay. That's all the feedback we got. Okay. Cool. If you'd like to give us more for next week, you can send it in to madmen at baldmove.com. Of course, we have the... Uh, I used to call them live, but because I'm recording Game of Thrones Instant Take, I can't anymore. The water cooler discussion on Facebook.com slash bald move of each week's episode. I usually get in there about an hour late. There's like the burst of the initial burst where people are talking real time and then I come in and crash a party. Jim, you can always tweet your thoughts over to him at bald move on Twitter. And uh, until I think that's it until next week. All right. Sounds good. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you then. <laughs>